What we're going to cover tonight, I think, hopefully, it's uh, edifying. It's um, it's where a lot of the stuff we've been talking about kind of comes to a real head. It comes to a point, not exactly the finale, but it's kind of like, okay, finally we've arrived at where we're going, and then the next two weeks will be spent really talking about, well, now what? Given the point that we'll be building to tonight, kind of now what? And that's that. So tonight's kind of cool because it's... Good to start bringing, I think, yeah, good to start bringing these things, bringing these things in. So we started for the super quick recap. We started off talking about what's our call, the depth of our call. And again, there's a lot of ways to take that. Pretty much follow and obey. We're kind of the, uh, out of Romans 1, kind of the, the, the short version uh, for that. We got into the Tozer aspect of that because Tozer, what, what, we're, what I was thinking of as the depth of our call, Tozer, calls uh, our pursuit of God, and he calls that, he describes that specifically as our knowledge of God and growing to know more about God, and he very quickly, as we've hit, steps into the the tyranny of things, and uh, I don't think he says it this way, but what, what I take his first couple of chapters in that book really to be, he, I, again, he, this is kind of my version is that the first step to knowing God is getting our knowledge of ourselves correct so that we can even have a reasonable relationship. In other words, if I'm thinking too highly of myself, it, it, it impacts how I see God. It impacts that it, I'm just viewing the relationship completely off. And so I, I, I think, again, he doesn't put it quite that way, but I think that's how we go from his pursuit of God, right into the tyranny of things. And we went through that. With the, uh, uh, with the tyranny of things, we went through, there's really, there's different types of things. There's just the stuff, the fancy cars that can, that can be, you know, kind of almost silly. Uh, and it goes all the way up to the example of, of Isaac, Abraham and Isaac. And if you remember, what was the one word? What was, what was in God's words, what was the problem with what Abraham how Abraham was treating Isaac, what was the word, remember? He was withholding. He was withholding Isaac. So the key there was with the withholding of something. And we say, what exactly did that mean? Did that mean he withheld him? Well, well first of all, it's, it's not a monetary thing, so that's not even talking about like a dollars and cents or a 10% or that's We're not even talking about that. But there was something in his heart where somehow God knew in Abraham's mind that he was withholding Isaac in some way. Maybe he had had a thought one time that said, boy, I could give God anything except my son. You know, you never know. I don't know what that, that's between Abraham and God, but it was, he was withholding. So withholding is, um, that tells us, that's kind of the bottom line issue, even when it is regarding shiny, pretty things or all the way to the kids or the, or the retirement funds, whatever it might be. The withholding is the issue. Um, we also conveniently, through Abraham and Isaac, we know that he did not have to give the thing he was withholding to God. He didn't, he didn't have to kill Isaac to make the situation right. He just had to understand, like, okay, I will not withhold this. Uh, uh, God stopped him. So in other words, it wasn't that God wanted Abraham to be without Isaac. It was he wanted him to stop withholding Isaac and stop withholding anything. So the withholding is the, is the key on that. A couple of quick things I thought of this week regarding just kind of the intro stuff. 
I don't think I'd mention it specifically. When I'm talking about our call and everything we're talking about with our call and the depth of our call, I'm never, I don't think I've mentioned anything where I'm thinking about our, our occupations. Uh, in, in other words, I think, I think there's almost a separation. I think, I think what I'm talking about is different than how a lot of the world views things. A lot of the world view of, of our call would be, well, if you're really called, you go to seminary and you must be in ministry full time. That's a fine thing, going to seminary and being in ministry full-time. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I see our call is. Because, that's again, back to the universal aspect of our call, I see that we're all called to follow, and I really can't see much of a reason we're called to follow differently than, than a disciple, than as a disciple. So back to being, are you a fan in the bleachers or are you down in the field? Uh, just that, that quick concept. Uh, let's see. Then we got into talking about the stuff, and we got into pride. With pride, the point of the pride was that that led us to get into the merit, which is what we're kind of now really talking about. Well, what's, what's our merit? Last week, we started talking a lot about dung. Well, that's kind of gross. Uh, well, there's a lot of scriptures that involve dung, and these are used biblically, I think, to show us, to, just to give us a, an inkling that, that we aren't quite as cool as we think we are. Now, you can argue with those things. I, I mentioned last week. Um, if Paul says all these things are dung, um, and he even used a vulgar word for it, is that because he's having a bad day? Did he have a bad day? Is that why he said that? Well, wait. If all scriptures God breathed, then he's not saying anything. You know, he's not allowed to be saying things he didn't mean because he had a bad day. So I think we're to take something away from these. Um, the other reason we're getting into the merit is to understand the logical basis for having no pride. In other words, we're not just saying pride is bad, we're saying pride is folly. If you're proud, you're just wrong. You don't there, you don't have a reason to be proud if you understand who we really are. It's actually folly. So we're getting in, that's kind of the logical case against against pride. Well, tonight we're going to get in to the logical case against merit. Now, we talked about we talked about um well, Zechariah 3, um, there's, there's, there's two versions of us. There's us in the dung coats, and there's us in the white righteous robes. So when you have a moment of thinking you're proud about something, ask yourself, which of these, which, which of me am I being right now? Am I proud of me in my dung coat, or am I proud of me in the righteous robe that I didn't have anything to do with getting, that someone gave to me? Which of these is it? So... That we can tie that we can tie that out. We mentioned what was the other? oh Isaiah the filthy rags, um, the filthy rags tying out that out to the, to the the theme of dung there. Basically, now let's think about those items as almost like the emotional case for why I have no merit. Um, it's kind of the oh, you could say well it's exaggerated well. We're going to go in a little bit different direction tonight with that, but but think about that. Think of that as just kind of the the, the emotional side of it. You can add to it um, James four and Ecclesiastes are both. What are we? We are we are vapors. We are mists. We are nothing. The meaningless in Ecclesiastes that we see throughout it translates as vapor or, or mist. So again, those are those. Yeah, okay, I get it. You could say, okay, I get it, Scott. Um, yeah, I'm nothing. Yeah, I'm lousy. Yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, I've sinned. And yeah, this, 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 this. 
that's actually not the point, I think, of these. It's Sure, our sin's yucky. But like when Paul says, uh, when he mentions the dung in um, Philippians 3, he's not talking about the sinful him. He means he's talking about even his accomplishments are, are like dung. So we're going to start building now more of a logical case uh, from Paul, starting with Paul on this. And uh, we hit this before, I think. 1 Corinthians 3. I think Tom even referenced this this week. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now that's, at a, at a, at a quick version, you say, well, all right, well, that doesn't sound that much different than, than the dung or I am nothing or you're a vapor. You know, it, it doesn't sound real flattering, but it doesn't sound that different. I think it's different because unlike the other ones, Paul is now, he's saying he's nothing, but he's starting to tell us why you're nothing. In other words, it's not just a bold statement. He's saying, no, really, you're nothing, and I'm nothing, and let me tell you why we're nothing. We're nothing because, at best, Paul is, he planted the seed and Apollos watered it. But comparing the one who plants the seed and the one who waters it with the one that makes the seed grow is nothing. Okay, explain to me. We've got a lot of awesome technology. Uh, I think I think the younger you are today, the more you're impressed by technology. And I think a lot of the younger folks today are so impressed that that's just the coolest thing in the world. It's just that's just the ultimate manifestation of man is to, is technology. Man has yet to make a seed that grows. Okay, man has yet to really explain exactly why. We can backfit a lot of things, and we can say, oh, but well, we've we've discovered the DNA, and we've discovered. It fundamentally that's identifying a few things that's not making the thing okay that's completely different um, so there's a there's a huge distinction between the one that makes things grow uh, and the one that plants it and waters it now how do you think if you, if you asked if, if, if we could ask Paul what Paul thought of his own merit what do you think Paul would say Paul, do you think you got think you got merit? As a Jew, yeah, yeah, sure, right, yeah. That that was Saul, actually. <laughs> oh, I did say Paul. I'm just saying that the 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 person who would have had that that pride in the old Jew portion of him that Saul had had great amount of pride, uh, and and Saul would have given you a very good case on on his merit. Uh, I'm glad you. That's a good. I hadn't thought of that that way. That's a that's a good before and after shot, you know, on uh, on kind of how we uh, how we see these things. Um, Paul, I picture, I picture Paul saying, I picture him being confused that I'm even asking the question, thinking like you are you haven't heard a word I've been saying. <laughs> if you're even asking me that, you know, you are you are not paying attention. Uh, I picture him saying, "Don't you know who I am?" Don't you know what I did? And he'd say, oh, no, no, but Paul, but you, you should get some credit because, you know, I, yeah, 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 but God opened your, or, or you saw your eye. You saw these things. You've opened your eyes. You've understood. You understand all these things about Jesus. I picture him saying, he blinded me, knocked me off a horse, and, and spoke to me personally. You, you, you think I get any credit for that? He said, oh, 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 Paul, but you've been... Um, but you're an amazing, uh, you're an amazing leader. 
See, I'm in prison most of the time. What? Okay, what, what you know? Oh, but and you know, name some other name some other attribute. He'd be like, man, what are you what are you talking about? This is this is this is nothing. I, I picture him being frustrated that we even be asking about it. So let's go um, jump in a little more on uh, uh, on this concept here. The um, two quick notes when he's talking about us being nothing. Again, just similar to the, to the Philippians comment, he's not talking about the old sinful me is nothing. He's not saying, oh, this old, you know, this, that, that's the stuff. I think a lot of Christians today, we can acknowledge pretty handily that the old us is nothing. The old us has no merit. The old us is yucky and dumb and all that. But now I'm new and I'm shiny and pretty, and that's different. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't see this that much in a lot of churches, is it's just such an unpleasant message to be you're you're nothing you're you have no merit uh i think that just is going to get repressed and then there's another another effect that comes out of that paul didn't say i was the chief of sinners he said i am right the chief of sinners. yeah yeah so that would yeah be his answer. right yeah he said what are you what are you talking about don't you that's what i'm saying don't you know who i am don't you know what i was trying to do I'm, I was trying to kill Jesus. I wanted to get. I watched Stephen die, and and watched a man die, and I was like, yeah. I was applauding that. I was applauding that. Now I want. I would like to know if you could ask him. Did you see his face light up? Because you know, you know the 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 scriptures of his dying. He's looking at God and he's smiling, and he's, you know, he's there's there was a special look on his face, and I wonder what that would have looked like to someone observing that. But that's a different issue. Yeah, right. I guess you're right. Yeah, well, he's just crazy. Steve, Stephen's just crazy. The um, so I think a lot of us would say, okay, I'm comfortable that I'm nothing compared to God, but don't tell me that I'm nothing compared to that guy, <laughs> right? I mean, so it's, you know, these different things get easier to absorb. You know, like okay, well. Oh, you know what? Well, now we had a chat, so now we're friends again. So, so sure, we're equal. But I'm nothing compared to that guy. You know, I mean, it, and you get into this like, like, well, that can't be part of that. That can't be part of the mix. That gets back to the comparing we talked about. Uh, was one of the very first things that gets us to, off the track when it comes to stuff. All the way back to just silly, shiny, pretty things. Uh, one of the first ways the train jumps the tracks is we start comparing shiny, pretty things to our neighbor's shiny, pretty things, and uh, and pretty soon we're we're, we're we're going down the rabbit hole, and it's a it's a bad place to be. So, let's talk. We'll talk more about the the planting and watering in a little bit. Let's talk about some other examples of merit where merit is used in the Bible. Um, let's go to Ephesians five. Actually, it's, I'm just going to hit. It's just two of the verses. You probably uh, know all of them. Uh, we we study that so often. The girls go first in Ephesians 5. So verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. How would merit, how does merit impact that, that verse? Is the, is the call, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord, as long as he's on a roll making really, really sound decisions? Right? No. As long as he's leading the way he's supposed to lead? Yeah. 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 Is there a conditional aspect is there a conditional aspect to that? Right, right. But it can't be subject to his merit, to his earning 
the submission. Does that make sense? They can't be subject to that because guess what? Anyone will always be able to talk themselves into or out of the merit on that. In other words, well, well, sure, I would, oh boy, I would be happy to have a husband I could submit myself to, but uh, instead, I'm married to this guy, and 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 he's he's sixty percent at best of sound decision making, right? And uh, to me, sixty percent sounds pretty good, you know. On the other side of that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, anything above fifty sounds pretty good. Now, on the flip side, the guys the guys chance in verse twenty five. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her, and, and continues. Yeah. What about merit? What about the merit? Does, do I get to say, all right, well, sure. Okay, the Bible tells me to love my wife. Yeah, I'll love her as long as she's looking great, staying in shape, making dinner, wearing pearls. Making my favorite dinner? If she's earned that, see, that's where the merit would kick in. So there can't be any merit. There can't be any merit in either the wife's submission, the husband's love, the leadership. These can't, these, the, there can't be any merit associated with these. Now, let's think if we had the whiteboard with merit. Remember what we were building is a list of things, and we were talking about all those things are these extreme things where there's not a lot of, Leeway. There's not a lot of wiggle way uh, uh, for those. This is one of those examples. Merit. I, I can't think of any examples in the Bible where merit, human merit, matters. I, I could think of a couple where there, um, where there's uh, fictional characters. In other words, um, Paul can talk about the athletes in training. You know, and you, you know, the athlete, you want to uh, run the races to win the prize. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a merit. Well, yeah, there's something. You want, you want to be the runner that wins the prize. That's a fictional character in a, in a story about, about how we're supposed to be. He's, it's not lifting up the name of the fastest runner from that era, saying we need to be like this. In other words, there's a lesson to learn from that, but it's not actually about the merit for that. Another one would be um, the, in the parable of the talents. You want to be... You know, one of those, one of those characters is a better investor, right, than the others. And it's sure that's the that's the star of the story. He's a better investor. Well, I got a hint for you. The story's not really about investing, and it's a fictional character again. In other words, it's still different. What's being lifted up is not an, a true example of human merit that that shows up um, as a as a as a great feature. Let's think about. Other examples of, of, of merit here. Um, when David slew Goliath, David got picked for that job because he was the strongest warrior available, right? Isn't that how that went? Yeah. That's almost... He was, he was extremely unqualified for that challenge. Uh, the um, uh, Let's see... Were Mary and Joseph Jewish royalty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Were they even married? Ooh. Okay. Now, now today there's still a certain amount, I'll say shame, in, in the unmarried couple. Okay, there's a story in the news 
about some church, some, some church school, whether they will or won't allow a pregnant girl to walk the aisle for graduation because it's, it's May. Um, that's still an issue today. I'm sure that people were more tolerant of those things 2,000 years ago, aren't you? <laughs> so I'm sure that was no big issue back then. I'm sure no one would have thought of that. I'm sure no one would have whispered rumors uh, about things like that. Okay, now why why would that be the case? Why didn't why why couldn't Jesus have been born to the 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 most handsome king and queen uh, of, of 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 that era? Well, that's not how it worked. Okay, but Jesus at least tell me when he rode into Jerusalem, he rode in on a great white stallion. What do you ride in on? On, on the foal of a donkey, right? The uh, the I mean it, it was the like. So what's the pattern? Do you now we're, you could say okay, but that's fine. But we're getting we're getting awfully far away from human merit. My point with these is I think there's a pattern biblically, and if you have to see a pattern that either lifts up human merit or throws human merit out the window, which one do you see in the Bible? At least more often, right? It it's just that's just not part of the equation. Uh, most of the time. So the reason I lay that out, back to Ephesians, what would it mean if merit did matter? How would Ephesians 5 be different if our merit, if the merit of the husband, the merit of the wife, if their merit mattered, how would that change Ephesians 5? Sure. The I agree. No, I believe we are called to submit, right? You know. That makes a really good point for where where we're going tonight, which is we have such a desire to hang on to a belief in our merit that it's so hard to get rid of. And that's what the last 50 years you're talking about is, is, is it's so hard to lay down our notion of merit that, doggone it, I do have merit. And uh, we just can't get rid of that. Think about, um, think about what's, what's one of the phrases we hear um, now that, uh, that you know makes perfect sense is when someone says, you know what, um, we see this. It can be in pop music, it can be in the news. We hear it all the time. You deserve this thing, whatever it is. You deserve it. You deserve this. What's our response? You know what? I do deserve this. That's right. I do deserve this. Um, as a matter of fact, what's the next step past deserving it? Yeah, Absolutely. Even even explicit, you deserve it, right? Oh, you've earned it. You deserve it. And and what's the uh, you know Ben Franklin's old thing? People will most likely believe whatever's flattering to them. So whenever we hear something like that, I do deserve it. Yeah, what it, it can be anything. It can be a candy bar, or a, a fancy car. I, I do deserve it. It can be. Let's see now. Whoever that spokesperson is that just read that commercial, they were a paid spokesperson. They have no idea about me. They have no idea about the situation. But yeah, but they are right. I do deserve it. They, right? So the, um, what's the next step past deserving something when we believe we deserve Bullseye. Exactly. Not only do I deserve it, I have a right to it. Exactly. I'm sure you had, that phrase hasn't come up. You haven't seen that pop up in the last, okay, daily for the last 20 years, right? Oh, there you go. Yep. We're just working down the list. That needs to be a different whiteboard full of, full of all these things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do deserve it. I deserve it. it. Do you know why I believe it, that I deserve it? 
because that makes so much sense to me. Well, of course it makes sense because it's the, it's the flattering. We believe whatever's, whatever's flattering. That's, at, that's just at the logical Ben Franklin level, uh, at the biblical level. Well, uh, we, just, we, do, we don't want to deny ourselves. I'm going to tie back to something a little bit. Let's go with the, the, next, uh, the next chunk here. Let's talk about if you're not convinced yet that you have no merit, the logical case that you have no merit. Sure, these emotional things, you know, you're a vapor, you're a mist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no let's, let's, make the emo- let's make the logical case you have no merit. Let's, let's go back to look at our roles in the garden. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's, uh, let's look back at Genesis. I mean, you know these. These aren't, again, we're, we're hitting uh, uh, scriptures that aren't exactly obscure tonight. It's uh, Genesis 2. Well, you can start with 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now in 2, we're getting a little more detail. In 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it. Now, all right. That sounds okay. Um, uh, but I still don't know, why are we talking about the Garden of Eden? That's just this place from a million years ago, and I don't really know how that applies to us today. We've been out of the Garden of Eden. Sure, man, that was before man fell, but man's fallen since then. Jesus has come since then. What does that have to do with us at all? Well, I think, this is where, uh, if I had the whiteboard, there's a lot of things in our world today where we still can use the Garden of Eden as the model. In other words, that's how God made things pre-fall. It's hard to make the garden irrelevant because we fell afterwards. In other words, it's hard to not say, well, we need, there's some things we need to learn from the garden. This is how things are supposed to be. You say, okay, well, does that mean I'm supposed to be you know, walking around naked and uh, uh, taking care of trees? Well, I'm not exactly talking about that, but I'm just saying there's, there's, these, there's things we can learn from the garden. And I think uh, one of them is our roles. We can really understand a lot about our roles, particularly our roles comparing us to God and kind of who's doing what and who's got merit and who doesn't. So what was our, what was our original role in the garden? Caretaker. Caretaker of computers and data centers and large buildings and uh, hedge funds. Is that what we're called to be caretakers? No. So those things sound more glamorous. Okay, this sounds more like groundskeeper at the golf course. Okay, I don't know, I don't know a lot of kids that grow up and say, someday I want to be the groundskeeper at the, at, the, at, the, at the golf course. Okay, we are to be the caretakers of a garden. Yeah? Yeah, we're good at uh, we're good at subduing on our terms. That's for sure. Um, the uh, I think the subduing aspect of that involves our subduing as God's agents, subduing it in for Him, under Him, uh, and and with Him. And um, that agent part is gets back to I think part of the, the our roles, our original roles, where we do this. And here, and, but, it, but it gets into an interesting aspect. There's a, there's a bit of a dichotomy of uh, where, I'm, where I'm going with this. Our role is simultaneously to be 
the keeper of the hoe. Okay? Now, how much pride do you have in, in being the keeper of the hoe? Okay? My job is to, we are the keepers of the hoes in the garden. We take care of the plants. We prune the plants. We take care of a garden. That's our role. And animals, yeah, and everything else. Now, that's a good segue to, to, the, other, to the, the other part of the dichotomy. When I'm working with the animals, these are animals that I've named. They have the name that I've given them, right? I mean, if I'm Adam. Okay, so on the one hand, I'm a keeper of the hoe. On the other hand, that animal knows in its garden version I'm kind of the big cheese here. Now it also knows, well, I'm not that big cheese here. And that's the dichotomy. See, so so on the one hand, I'm this I'm this super humble dude. We are the keepers of the hose. On the other hand, we are made we are image bearers of the one that created everything. And there's there's interesting scriptures we can ponder on about Creation moaning for the, the, the identification of the saints. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things like that. When we're called the image bearers, the word, the original, uh, I understand, my understanding is the original Hebrew for that is the word that we use as the basis for icon. And like a computer icon on a screen. It's a picture. What's the, what's the icon on a computer screen? It's a picture of something. Maybe it's the, so you got an application on your computer and you see a little picture that shows you your fill-in-the-blank, your browser or Excel or something like that, right? Is that when you click on that picture, is that, is that picture the program? No, the picture is the icon that represents the program. Then it goes back and runs the actual program, okay? We are the image bearers of God. We are the icons of God. I don't understand it, but I am bearing an image that others, and I'm guessing the animals, somehow perceive as like, he's, he's with him. He is, I'm really an agent of the creator. You see that? I'm not just an agent like I work for him, like I'm, I bear his image. I bear his picture. His picture is a, is a part of me. I bear his picture. So I'm simultaneously this nothing, I am nothing, a keeper of a hoe for maintaining the garden, and I'm bearing the image of God Almighty, the creator of all things. And pointing to him. And pointing to him. Now, so that's the dichot- this huge dichotomy, right? Now, I'm so cool, I'm bearing the picture of him. How cool would I think you were if you were... Let's see. If you're if you're holding a picture of Brad Pitt over your face, and you have a picture holding up Brad Pitt, and you tell me you're Brad Pitt, would I be impressed that I have Brad Pitt in the room here? I'd be like, dude, that's a picture. <laughs> it's a picture. I'm not that impressed. It's a picture. Okay. Well, no. And then in your own voice, you say, I'm Brad Pitt. No, you're not, John. You're it, like like. We'll get you to a hospital. I'm not sure what's going on here. But uh, do you see that? It's a, it's, so even our bearing of the image, even our bearing of the image doesn't make us great. It means we're bearing a great image. It's an image. It's still, we're still nothing. We're still nothing. Now, 
it'd be kind of like a kind of crude analogy. It'd be like the signet rings. We see those in the Bible. If someone showed up with the, the king's signet ring, and he, that, meant, that meant like, I don't know about this guy's a representative of the king. I'm not sure, but I'm not going to mess with this guy. This guy's got the king's signet ring. He is a representative of the king. Note to self, I'm not going to mess with that guy. I'm not going to challenge what he says. I'm not going to argue with him. I, this, is, this is okay. You are bearing the, the signet ring of the king. So we are, we are that way bearing the image, I think. Uh, the image is something, but it's only an image. It doesn't do anything for us underneath it. What it if we are separated from that image, if we no longer bear that image, now I'm nothing at all. I mean, I'm truly nothing at all, right? So it's just this, this huge dichotomy. So we are the keeper of the hoe. All of us as group, we are the keepers of the hoes. Our job is to do, and this gets back to the roles, and roles that were established in the garden, and I don't think there's any reason to think these roles have changed. We are the keepers of the hoes to do a task that God has called us to do in the place he's put us using the tools he's given us. That's a role we had then, and I think that's a role we have now. And there's no, there's no part of that is about me and my merit in that role. Does that make sense? There's just no, that's not about, that's not about me. So personally, then, that makes me, I'm a keeper of the hoe. I am here to do the job that God has given me to do in the place that God has put me, using the tools that God has provided, right? That, it's, it's just no part of that is about me personally. No part of that about is about how cool, how cool am I? What, do I? what am I bringing to the party here? In other ways, I think the garden serves as our model. It serves, a model for, uh, serves as a model for our roles. We just went through those. I think it serves as our, our model of our merit being zero, particularly if you really want to elaborate and say our, our merit apart from God, clearly zero. And I think it also, the garden also serves as a model of our identity uh, of who we are. We are that getting back to the image bearers. I'm an image bearer. That's who I am. So as the image bearer, apart from that image, I'm truly nothing. With the image, I'm something. I'm the bearer of the image. But that's it. My somethingness ends with that, with that image. You see what I'm saying? Me separated from that image, and I'm nuts. Now I'm, now I'm really vapor. I'm really mist. Okay? Now, with the image, now I'm something because I'm his agent. But it's strictly because of him loving me enough to make me his agent. It still has nothing to do with me uh, personally and my, my own merit. All right. That's why I love that. I love that that's the same word. That that's the word, our word icon comes from the same Hebrew word as uh, is used for uh, image bearer here. Now, are you convinced yet that we have no merit? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That reminds me of something I, I probably would have forgotten to get to because it's, it's a little bit regarding prayers and regarding who we are and and ways we word thing in our prayers that can kind of show things about us that we don't you don't want to show. This I'll do this. This happens. I'll find myself in prayer effectively. Asking God for a little bit of assistance with something. 
Okay? Now, I'll word it as, oh, God, please help with this. Okay? But effectively, what I'm praying for is God's assistance with something that I've already got 90% handled, but I need a little bit of help to get the, get the engine over the hill. Okay? And I'm asking for, for backup on something. And I don't, think that's, I don't think that's good. I think the correct words to use are, if it's something I've turned over to God, God, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to you for help. In other words, I think, it's, I think it's totally appropriate to pray for help, but the pray for help, meaning we're in the, we're in the ocean and uh, I need help. God, help. I need help on this thing. I don't think it's appropriate to ask for God, our assistant, to come to our help. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, what's that, Bernie? I just said, apart, apart from him, we're drowning. Right, right. And, but but I, can, I've, I can catch myself using, using words and praying prayers. And I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that we should only pray for big things and not the little things. I don't mean that at all. But it's when I view him as my assistant, which is just, and I'll catch word choices where I'll be like, oh, that sounds horrible. That just sounds horrible. You know, where I haven't just laid something down completely and been like, God, well, I'm sorry, whatever whatever lord i mean you know uh so it's just it's a it, it, it's kind of a similar thing there my specific concern is that when i'm asking god in a prayer to assist me with something is that to me that's just the, the roles are just shot um because I'm, in other words i'm not even approaching it from the right the right angle if i'm asking for his assistance with something instead of just laying it and saying Here's the situation. Uh, I, br- I bring the situation to you, and I pray for for your will, uh, for you know, you know whatever it might be. But but it's just I, it's just that uh, uh, oh God, please please help me out. I need a little bit of an extra push or something. It's like man, I don't know. Anyway, back on merit. So if we're not convinced yet that we have no merit, um, think about this. What word gets used in the Bible a lot more than merit? What word, what, what Bible word is the closest thing to an opposite of merit? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what do we, yeah. Well, I'm thinking grace. Think about grace. Okay, what is grace? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Okay. How much of our salvation is based on merit? Zero. zero. Right. Totally zero. Now we know that one. We know that one. I don't want to have to argue with you know like okay God, but I think a lot of people do, and I think in a lot of churches, no one will really nail that down, or they may even nail it down, but they don't exactly walk out believing it. It's like well you know, but I get some credit, right? And that gets, that gets, yeah, well, why do I get credit? Because I deserve it. Oh, there we go again, you know. Um, well, that just makes sense. Well, I think people also, we bring that by saying, well, he expects me to do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways that we, um, that we can. You've got to be faithful. Right. Gotta, yeah. And, and you can, there's a lot of different ways you can argue that, that you've got a role in it. And it's not to say we don't have a role in it. I'm just, but I, I, I don't see any way that our merit is a number other than zero. Just like I, I think as we really get familiar with our salvation, as we really get to understand that, okay, 
This is 100% the blood of Jesus. It can't be 99% the blood of Jesus and 1% me. Why? Well, first of all, I'm insulting the blood of Jesus to think that I'm even in the same equation as the blood of Jesus. It can't, that can't be right, right? We just know that. There's no way. It's just, that's, just, that's just wildly illogical that anything would be some blend of my merit with Jesus' blood. There's just there's, there's no way. There's a, uh, there's a U.S. denomination that will tell you their church traditions are of equal importance as the scriptures. We'll just ignore Proverbs 3.5, rely not on your own understanding, that reason, human reason, is a fine thing to base of your, of your theology on. The point to that is the illogical things that humans will do to comfort ourselves with our own merit. Okay, These things that just make no sense to anybody else. But when they're talking about you and your reason, you go like, well, yeah, my reason does make sense. Now, your reason, no, there'd be no basis. There'd be no reason for us to worry about her reason. Yeah, human reason doesn't count. Wait, yeah, but mine does. Because, yeah, because now we're talking about mine. So it's this, it's this temptation. We are wired so deep with that. Um, and that gets, that gets back to the, the blend, the zero to 100, is it makes no sense. You, you, can't, you, you couldn't have some combination of credit between Jesus' blood and me. You couldn't have some combination of credit between um, scriptures and my ideas. They're like, whoa, what are, we, what are we talking about? I mean, it, it just makes no sense for that. Now, along those lines, that's where we're tying back to the merit. I, don't, I can't picture how human merit can figure in to be anything other than zero in, any, in whatever situation. Now, I don't mean for a young, a young gal evaluating a potential husband that you don't look at at, you know, that, you, that you, you look at two people and you go, I don't know, they're both the same to me because neither one has any merit. No, I'm not talking about that. I mean, I mean that's, they're still, you know, they're still using some sense and knowing the Bible and knowing, well, let's think about this. Um, so, so we're not talking about being completely ignorant of making good choices or bad choices. I'm not, not saying that. But I'm just saying, it, it, to me, it, I can't logically figure out how uh, how my merit, how human merit, can figure in to be of anything other than other than zero. That's what, and that's that almost like that. Like I say, in the emotional case of why we're nothing, uh, we're pursuing here a little more of the logical case, the real reasons behind it, and and it's, you you put it all together, and I don't see I don't see how we can have uh, anything as merit that matters. Now the um, last couple of things here. I think for our merit, I think when we get concerned about our merit i think we're holding on effectively it's this human desire i think we're holding on to a desire to get partial credit for something partial credit for the things i've earned partial credit for the changes i've made it's a it's a it's a notion of getting partial credit um uh for, for the, the, these things, they should count for something. They can't count for nothing. What are you saying, man? These things can't count for nothing. No, I think they count for nothing. But it's, it's, I think we're holding on to that, and I'll call it a notion of merit. I think we're holding on to our notion of merit because I think that gives us hope. Our, our hope is our notion of, because now that gives me hope to be better than you. See? 
That gives me hope to make myself look good. It gives me hope to be better than you. Now, what's that back to? That's back to comparing. Okay? We like to compare. We like to win. If we can really embrace that we have no merit as a group, as everybody, if I can really embrace I have no merit, you have no merit, then I, I know. In other words, I'm not saying I'm a mer- I have no merit because I'm a horrible sinner, um, but maybe, maybe you're better than me. No, I'm not saying, no, no, no. We have, nobody has any merit. If I can really get my arms around that, then that means there's nothing to compare anymore. Why, what, what are we comparing? What are we comparing? Better yet, not only am I not comparing, because I logically can't compare, it's not interesting to compare. I don't even have a motive to compare, because I know we're, there's, there's, there's nothing to compare. And so do you see how that, now we just cured the pride problem. Is if, I never start, if I never compare anything to anybody, we've just cured the pride. We've cured probably some huge percentage of the tyranny of things because I just stopped caring about those things. I stopped comparing about how I compare to my neighbors, how I compare to you, how I compare to you. All these things can just can fire off of uh, this, this concept of, of understanding. We really have no merit. Now, time back to Tozer. Tozer has a, a, a quote on f- page 58. If we really think we have no merit, so we're zooming back out now. And we're a couple of, a couple of uh, chapters down the road in Tozer from where we were last time we, we uh, jumped out. On uh, page 58 of my uh, copy, God being who and what he is, and we being who and what we are, the only thinkable relation between us is one of full lordship on his part and complete submission on ours. Okay? So there's no, there's no splitting. There's no splitting like, well, it's like, no. The more I understand that, and that gets back to kind of why we're even, why we're even in this series, is, is that, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm not looking for partial credit. My hope doesn't lie in the partial credit that my merit gets me. Okay? My hope, everything, where, where does your hope lie? In Jesus. All right? If, there's, if you've got hope in anything else, it's kind of like the folly of the pride. If you've got hope in anything else, well, I've got news for you. <laughs> you've got a problem. Okay? That's, that's the only thing, that's the only place to have our hope. It's still a battle. You just back and yeah, right. Out. That's right. We're still wretched. Back to the merit. That's another one of the. That's another one of those quotes um, that uh, that we could say. We could say that would be on the emotional side of why we have no merit. Um, it's Paul again. Uh, we are we are wretched. I think it's easier for us to raise our hands and admit we are wretched than it is for us to admit we are nothing. I think today, because I think wretched we can tie to our sin. It's like yeah, yeah, I'm wretched and I've been sinful, but. But the good me has merit. But the good me is something. I think I think the, I think it's harder for us to admit to being nothing. From the um, the he who plants and he who waters is nothing. But he okay, back to that. I think it's easier for us to handle that than it is to handle being wretched. I think it's easier for us to, to admit. In other words, Bernie, I, it's kind of like the like the daily struggle we're talking about. I think it's easier for us to raise my hand. Oh, I am wretched. Are you nothing? Okay, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, I didn't say I was nothing. Well, the old me was nothing. Well, no, what about the, no, but the new you is nothing too. Okay, wait, I'm not comfortable with that. I mean, a lot of people will have that, will have that issue there. And I think what makes it interesting is if you think about if someone challenges you, if someone challenges you to defend yourself and uh, says you are, you are wretched, maybe you would defend it logically. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, I know I've been wretched, but, but my sins have been paid for, so this is this. You could, you could talk about the, the good things you do now, the bad things you used to do, and how that's all behind you. Well, it wasn't behind Paul, but I'm sure it's behind us, you know, whatever, whatever example you want to use there. So you can almost, you can, it'd be a foolish case, but you could make a case. I can see how someone would say that. Now, here's where I'm going. If someone accuses you of being nothing, how do you rebut being told you're nothing? No, I, I'm something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's still not that's still not on our. But, but that's because of the blood of Jesus. That's not that's not your merit there. The um. Right, and that's where we're, that's what we're that's where we've been building as we got the depth of our call was that gets us into who am I. The more we get into who am I, I didn't pay him $5 for that, by the way. But the, uh, the, uh, uh, but the more I understand who I am, that's how this became the depth of your fall. Okay, that wasn't the original long title. It was the original plan. It was depth of your call. And then the more you're like, oh, man. You know, and this became the, the, the depth of our fall on this. Once we understand we have no merit, so we don't have any need to compare, it's not even interesting to compare, what's that mean? What, what effect would that have on gossip? Why would you gossip? Someone would be like, oh, did you hear about this thing? It turns out some brother did something stupid. You'd be like, well, like don't tell me that. Like, well, of course, dumb things happen. Of course. Like, whatever. I don't want to hear about that. Do you see that? It's not like, oh, tell me more. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You'd be like, hey, we all do stupid things. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't want to hear that. So, I mean, it changes a lot of things like that. Now. You got a homework assignment this week. No handouts, but you got a homework assignment. The homework assignment is think about joy in our lives that we get to experience from understanding I have no merit. I found a lot of joy in that. I found a lot of clarity in that. Um, I found a lot of simplification in that and freedom there's a freedom so that's the homework think about the joy that we can get through this there's a clarity here there's a freedom think about that's and we'll I'll, I'll ask you at the beginning next time about just the different positives but specifically joy that comes from understanding uh, and uh, being able to handle the concept that we have no merit now where we're going downstream from this um, and the reason we had to get our merit work through is that we're going into these big concepts of denial and things we deny and things we need to uh, and, and things we rely on and where we've got a lot to lay down and it's going to be really hard to lay stuff down if we don't have a good good concept of who we are and who God is and the merit that I'm bringing to the table that's it that's it for this week thanks we'll see you see you next week